Welcome to your podcast, Leadership is Tricky, where we'll tackle various topics, challenges, and experiences as it relates to your investment in leadership. So let's design success together. Now your hosts. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> we, 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 we could talk. We could talk this all day long. But, you know, for, for this, that self-awareness, though, is really key to know exactly um, where you're at with authority and then having a the self-awareness to ensure that you plug those other people in with the informal authority into your power wheel. Right. Because even with when you start building your power wheel and you start to say, OK, if I talk to Stephen and I know Stephen is 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 close to employee one or technician number one or whatever. But I know that I need to get, be able to leverage some of that informal authority or expertise from technician number one. Well, Steve would be part of my power wheel. Um, doesn't mean that we have to be friends. It just means that you and I have to have some type of relationship to be able to leverage, you know, that in, informal authority that's within your power wheel. Um, yeah, there's common interest there and there's a common kind of core mission or thing that you're trying to get to, uh, to achieve and you got to align yourself. You can't do this all by yourself. I and mean, that's why leadership is truly tricky. You can't do this alone. Absolutely. So let's let's jump into leadership, right? So Yeah. So leadership um is you know, cuz we talked about authorities being a role, right? You're appointed a position of authority, right? And now we talked about um people with informal versus uh, for, uh, formal authority um, and what those are. Well, leadership is an activity, right? So exercising leadership, we talk about all the time and people get it misconstrued. Just because you're in a pos- uh, in a role of authority doesn't mean that you are a leader. doesn't yeah. mean that you're exercising leadership. It doesn't mean, and you know, we talked about this on, on the first episode, I think. Leadership is tricky because we have to help, you know, mobilize and inspire people Right. To get after the real work that needs to happen out there. That's more that adaptive piece. Um, and then we need those technical leaders. Right. Those SMEs, those people in, in formal authority um, to to be able to get after that. But so, you know, one of the things that we, we talk about all the time is. How do we now lead and bring the right people together and exercise those competencies of leadership Um to make make a difference and, and manage change, um, or like we mentioned earlier, how do we manage loss within an organization um, and ease the organization so that way we can continue to push the ball forward? So, so what are your thoughts on leadership being an activity or a kind of a competency or a, or a yeah sure a role informally that you step into? Um, so it's cliche to say it, but I will. Everybody can be a leader and everybody should be a leader. That's kind of my mantra at the end of the day. And it could be a leader of one or many. Um, and it's, it's about you inspiring others intrinsically to follow you to go and achieve some objective outcome, vision, however that happens to be. And that can be the new employee inside of an organization all the way to that said chief you know, um, executive officer, president of the organization. Um, that's truly hard to find in those formal authority roles and a true leader. But once you do, that's a, a very magical experience. But talking more about, you know, just leadership in general, it's a lot of what we said earlier, but it's also just taking initiative, having the the organization and the, and the collective kind of, you know, abilities at heart 
constantly. And then also when people seek out direction and alignment to things that you're there to offer that to them so they can kind of more commit to you and or the, the mission that's at hand and different people can step in at different moments in time. It doesn't have to be a thing that you say, I'm a leader from this day to this day. No, it's not exactly what we're saying at all. It's you can step into these kind of leadership roles and leadership opportunities at will. You can do it a hundred percent. You can do it when there's a perceived need and, and people come to you maybe um, off the cuff or in an informal sense, you know, you, you, water cooler talk and they talk about, you know, Eric, I see you, you know, really passionate about this area of the business. I want to be a part of something that you want to get after. Can we go work together on this and, uh, and do this kind of just intrinsically. And it's something because you know, it's for the greater good. That's kind of how I see it. I also see it as, you know, we need leaders today to kind of be that support system inside the organization not really that informal authority I was talking about earlier where, you know, decisions are being made, but just people in general, just being there for other people. Um, I, I see that in also, you know, with leaders that I want to aspire and kind of model myself to be like, those people are always in tune with kind of the pulse of the organization. They know kind of the, we call it the climate survey or the climate of the organization of different areas and different um, kind of, I don't know, value systems and culturally like how things are working. And they're always going to be there to kind of help provide that support system, um, not only to their inner circle, but just to others and just to be kind of a, a face of the organization. So I know I said a lot there. I hope that you capture a little bit. Maybe you can synergize that a little bit here. No, right? so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, they were they were all good words. Um, no, so one of the things that I picked up on though is is you need to exercise leadership. So when when you see there's a need for change, right? Um, and we talked about you know we we talk about it all the time is mobilizing, inspiring people, right? To to enact that change, right? Is pulling yeah. the right people together around a problem set and being able to strip out the noise. Um, to get to the real work, to the and I talk about it all the time with its adaptive leadership. And I know some people are probably rolling their eyes right now that are the loyal listeners, but I'm gonna go back <laughs> to it, right? So the adaptive leadership is really breaking things down in times of chaos to say we need change in this area, or we need to manage the loss in this area to increase the status quo for people to be able to learn from it and then come out of a danger area so they don't, you know, fight change, freeze, or 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 flee from change. So I think it's, it's very important that as leaders, we use all of our competencies, you know, to be able to lead people, um, you know, build communities of action, communities of change, build coalitions, um, you know, for to use your, your technical expertise as well as your, your adaptive leadership skills um, and competencies and, 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 and use all of those, those, those skills that we've learned over time to bring the right people into the problem that are stakeholders in the problem get the ball rolling, build some momentum, and then know that you have a shelf life to be able to pull yourself out of that situation and give the work back to the people, right? So you can go now focus your energy on the next problem set. And I think that that's critical to saying that you're exercising leadership is knowing when to pull people together, build the momentum, and then pull yourself out of the situation so the people 
can now have ownership of the problem set and they can start to, to, to fix things because, you know, you said it earlier, we can't do it alone. No. Right. But how can you use all the things that you've learned over time to pull everyone in to get after the real work that needs to happen and for positive change to happen in the world? So, so, so I want to ask you a question then you mentioned this idea of giving work back to the people and that you have a shelf life. Yes. How do you define or identify when that actually occurs? So one of the things that we haven't talked about yet in this segment is, you know, we talk about the role, we talk about um, leadership being an activity, but we don't have not talked about the effectiveness of leaders yet. Mm. Right. I think that leaders have, here's your formal authority. um, Here's your position, your role. Here's your informal authority. Right. And that's going to start to fill um, your your skill set and your effectiveness within an organization. And I think that once you stop becoming effective as a leader, um, you know, of being able to motivate and inspire people, then I think that you've hit your shelf life and now it's time to move on. So you, do you, now this is being devil's advocate for a second. You yeah. don't see it as either you maybe having to make a change or is it the organization that, I don't know how to kind of quantify it, but so you mentioned a shelf life, but I wouldn't say that you have to walk away, but what, what, what is the difference there between you kind of walking away from your shelf life or you changing and trying something else, I guess. So I I think you can try that, right? So I'll, I'll equate it to um, a football team, for example, right? If I'm the owner of a football team and I've hired a coach, right? I've hired Steven to be my coach. And I've given you all of the resources on the field, right? This team of, of, of experts and professionals. And you've had one or two losing seasons, right? But I see progress. I see that you, you are effective in showing me progress. But then the next, you know, two to three seasons, now they're losing seasons. We're out of the playoffs, et cetera. Well, I'm not going to fire the whole team, mm. right? I'm not going to, because you have failed to motivate and inspire because I've given you all the tools and I've given you the workforce to be effective, right? It just could be your methodology. It could be that now they're tuning you out. Now you're less effective. So, and it's more cost effective for me to fire you, the the coach, than it is the entire team. I would say though, it's pretty rare when a coach walks away though, instead of being fired or kind of, you know, given another opportunity, let's say. True. You you know, they might give you the opportunity to go seek out other employment. Right. (laughs) Um, But but I think it goes back to self-awareness, too. Right. I mean, there's there's been times where I've been in positions where um, I had to look in the mirror and wonder, am I being effective any longer? You know, and now then I look for another job because now it's not fun any longer. Now, I've seen other folks that are well past their shelf life. Um, and they're there and they get into that realm that you were talking about earlier. Now they're, they're ineffective and they're toxic, um, yeah. you know, because they don't have that self-awareness. But I mean, like I said, it's not easy. It's, it's, you know, it might be rare that people walk away, but you know, I, that's kind of how I equate things is, um, are you still motivating and inspiring folks to get after the real work? Um, you know, are you making a positive difference? in the world, um, or in, you know, on, on that person, that individual, you know? Well, I think in, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, I've got a little bit of a skewed perspective because I've basically been a public service kind of 
civilian my whole professional career. Um, albeit I've been in other organizations that a little bit more performance oriented, but working for the government specifically, um, I could see that it's a little bit more commonplace for individuals to not be held accountable to those results that you talked about earlier as a coach would be, you know, here's some achievements that I expect you to, uh, to, um, to get to, and here's some resources that I've given you. If it's people, if it's skills, if it's training, if it's technology, whatever. And if you still haven't achieved said results, we should be bold enough to identify that and make the changes necessary to, uh, to get around an impediment there. And if it happens to be the, the said, quote unquote leader, then, you know, we have to be bold enough to make those changes. I don't see that happening in the government. Um, well, I think it's a completely other topic that we can get after another episode. I'm sure. No, I think I'm pretty sure it's out there in the private sector as well. Right. Is that sometimes we might compromise our values because we're um, afraid to have the uncomfortable conversation or make the unpopular decision. Right. Because yeah. it could be someone that has a ton of informal influence that isn't performing. Right. And some people might say, yeah, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're more good than bad. We're going to keep them around anyway or her around anyway. Um, or, you know, it's uncomfortable. I don't want to have that conversation with the individual to tell them they're not meeting the mustard um, and then make that uncomfortable decision, unpopular decision to fire someone because it's just not easy because um, you've never fired anyone. It's not easy the first time. Um, it's not easy the second time because now you're telling someone, look, you don't have the means now to feed your family or et cetera. Um, but that's when, you know, folks have to exercise leadership. They have to step into their formal role within an organization and they have to do the right thing. Right. And, and we talked about management earlier is that, you know, you probably have, I'm not saying this is in all cases, but in most cases that I've seen from my experience is that people, um, are poorly managing their workforce. So, you know, you probably have not done enough to inject yourself into the the development of that individual or try to help that individual. And if you have great, you know, power to you, but I've seen more often than not is that there's poor management, people not stepping into authority and not exercising leadership. Um, and they can compromise themselves, but those are things that you have to be aware, um, of and be able to, to, to navigate, um, as leaders and you know, it's, it's tough, right? Leadership is, it, it truly is tricky. You know, the first time I wrote it, I thought about it. It seemed kind of corny when I said it, but over time, I mean, as you, as you do a lot of reflection in, in your day to day and you and I, we talk about it all the time, it's, it's tough to lead and make those, those, those hard decisions and have those tough conversations and, you know, do the self assessment on whether or not I'm being effective any longer in an organization or have I hit my shelf life and maybe I need to move on or um, have I grown out of this role and I'm no longer being affected because I'm just using the same kind of rinse and repeat um, skills um, in the role that I'm in and I'm not growing any longer as a leader. So I've hit my ceiling. Um, I know I said a lot of things, but you know, we could talk about this all day. Well, I I just want to bring this back before we move on to, um, you know, we talked a little bit about there about like the coach mentality. If it's the formal leader of the team um, that happens to, you know, not meet the mustard, but it's also to the employee and that having that self-awareness, if you're not in a formal authority position and you happen to, you know, volunteer to lead something or you were, kind of, you know, you had your first followers come up to you and say, hey, I want to see you 
achieve this and I'm going to be, I'm going to get your back and we're going to go do this together. Um, you got to have the self-awareness if you're working on said project effort activity and you're not achieving something and you see others around that potentially are in a better position to make the change happen, or you just lost the passion for it. You lost the intrinsic motivation that I do talk about a lot. Um, be willing enough to say, I cannot do this any longer and build more sustainable things versus the unsustainable kind of changes that we typically see a lot, where if it's a new technology, if it's a new process, if it's a new, you know, toy, you know, quote unquote, that people get really psyched up about, they throw it over the fence, they kind of shepherd it along for a little bit, and then they drop it like it's hot. And it, it just, it, it's aggravating sometimes when you see people do that, instead of their you know, if the person really wasn't in it from the beginning, um, they should have that self-awareness not to uh, not to kind of break things from a process perspective, from a mission and objective perspective. Well, well, I think one of the things that you hit on, right, I think it takes courage, right, to be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and I think you, even as leaders is that we have to have that ability to be self-aware, do an assessment, have the courage to say, look, I'm just not meeting the mustard and I need help. Um, but I think leaders and people in positions of authority have to build that that safe environment for people to be able to do that. Right. And you talk about it all the time is, you know, celebrating failure um, and, and, and having having that that environment where it's OK to fail so we can all grow together. And if people don't feel that that sense of safety, they're never going to be able to be courageous and, and be vulnerable because, you know, fear for retribution or losing their job or, you know, um, you know, or that loss because now I'm going to lose this project or I've lost the trust of those around me, et cetera. So I think as leaders, we have to be able to take a step back and, and look at the environment as a whole and understand our people and understand when they're in heightened levels of disequilibrium um, and, and identify those those points where they might be in a heightened state or they're not performing and how do we pull them out of that and help them learn from that? Cause it might be like, Hey, I'm going to take this project from you, but you know, you'll be in a support role while I put someone that's a little bit stronger so they can still learn from it. Right. So that's ultimately what we want is we want to create that learning environment or put people in the unavoidable path of learning. I know some people <laughs> didn't agree with that when I said it the first time, but we've had conversations offline about it. But I think um, when I read that statement, it really rang true is that, you know, leadership is putting people in the unavoidable path of learning. And I think that's what we're getting at is like we have to help people learn how to be vulnerable, how to be courageous, how to be self-aware and build on those competencies. So one, they could be better performers and employees, but we can also be better leaders for it. Well, and that's exactly where we are today, you know, with all of the anxiety, fear, the unknown unknowns that are out there. The leadership is even more critical right now than ever being in tune with those emotions and thoughts and the disequilibrium that you're talking about, you know, our true normal was disrupted, you know, a month and a half, two months ago and call whatever you want to today. If it's the new normal, if it's the, the, the as is the to be process that we're going through um, just being in tune with the people around you and, and telling them it's going to be okay listening to their thoughts and their, and their emotions, validating that they're okay to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And then telling them, you know, you feel this way. Well, I see you actually, you know, performing even better in this world or in this aspect, or you're 
kicking butt doing this now versus what I had typically seen you do before. If it's with communication on the team, if it's with virtual collaboration to tell a quick story, I have an employee on my team that had never touched a laptop and done anything virtual until a month and a half ago. And she's now teaching people on my team how to use the tools. So she literally went all in on this stuff, saw the value, got into that unavoidable state of learning that you talked about. And now she's becoming a leader on the team. So it's, it's just incredible when you see it happen. It's, it's why I am talking to you right now on a podcast. It's what gets me up in the morning. It's, it's my why it's so to speak, you know? No, I think that's, it's, that's, that's truly amazing. And I'll talk to you about who that is offline, but um, <laughs> now, but you know, you, you hit on it too is, is, letting people know it's okay to feel the way they feel right now in the moment. I know we're now transitioning more over to COVID because you hit it on the head. We need leadership and authority right now more than ever. And I think that um, it's okay for people to feel a sense of loss, right? Because now they're restricted and they have to be indoors and, you know, their, their life has been flipped upside down and some people are going to be better with that. And some people aren't right. So one of my friends, he's a gamer. He said, well, I've always been an introvert and I've always been indoors. I'm good. I don't have to go outside. Right. I'll eat pizza rolls and drink Mountain Dew. All right. Um, (laughs) You know, where I have others that are extremely extroverted and really family oriented and being, you know, because, you know, full transparency, you know, Steve and I are overseas. And to see what's happening here um, in the country that we're in versus, you know, back home, um, we're seeing people here being taken care of by the system, whatever. Um, but people are losing jobs back home and, um, folks that I have underneath my sphere of influence, um, specifically one or two, uh, folks, you know, they have fear and they are overwhelmed by the fact that their children back in the States are out of jobs. Um, and you know, they can't be there to take care of their kids, you know, so they have that. Now the fact that, you know, you, you, you couple that with now you're on restriction and you have to be at home no longer going back into the office. Now you have to settle into your now normal. Um, you know, it's, it's very overwhelming for them and they are in a danger area and their life is, you know, heightened sense of chaos right now. And they're not performing as good as they used to. Right. But being who I am and being in tune with understanding what their performance levels were before this, you know, I give them a pass and I'm trying to help coach and be very understanding of the situation that they're in today because we're all there and this is new for everyone. Um, But you have to have that empathy, right? And that patience and understanding to help them through this um, and help them learn through it day by day, week to week, you know, so they can become more and more comfortable with where they're at um, through this, through this crisis. And, um, and, and I'll tell you, it's, you know, I go through it every day and you help coach, you know, you coach me out of a situation I had the other day where anxiety was extremely high and typically I'm not that way. Right. But you, you understood that and you gave me some good words of uh, encouragement. Um, and I think it was more just listening than anything else. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're all in this space where we don't know where it's going to go and our emotions are going to you know, change from, you know, hour to hour, week to week, day to day. So sometimes minute to minute, you know, um, but, you know, we we all have to be leaders in our in our community, leaders in within our homes, um, leaders in the workplace. Um, and I think we just have to exercise leadership and authority throughout the world as we go through um, this this covid situation, because 
Um, I, I would tell you the data tells us it's getting slightly better in some areas, but some areas, you know, we don't know um, if it's going to become a hotspot or not. You know, we don't know if it's, is as we loosen the restrictions, is it going to get worse? Um, we, we just don't know. We don't have enough data. We just don't know. Um, we don't know anything really. I mean, other well, than what we know today, um, and we just have to have the patience and the understanding and, and, and using all of our skills to, to help each other through this. And I think it's okay to say that. And I think when we look at the authority figure to have all the answers, I think it's okay to also tell others when you're in that position that, hey, I really don't know. I'm feeling just like you are right now to a certain extent, but here's what I do know. And then you lay that out. Then you talk about how, you know, even before the COVID stuff happened, and this is where my perspective has changed within the last couple of weeks, nothing was ever guaranteed even in our previous lives before COVID-19. And the fact that we could think that our previous normal existence of, you know, first world problems and technology and no kind of pandemic that happens around the globe, albeit it's definitely jarred the system. I still believe in my heart of hearts that tomorrow is never a, a guarantee for the way our lives are. I think it's, if anything, this has expedited several areas of progress that for whatever reason, people have just been very receptive to not um, kind of taking advantage of. And you can look at objectively the technologies and the virtual collaboration platforms and things like that. But there's also just the, the ability, and I saw this on a, on a podcast the other day, We've never had this opportunity ever of this what if scenario. If everything was turned off for a moment in time, we could see life just without the, the craziness and being busy all the time and just the, 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 the battle rhythms and the daily kind of stresses that we have. We've been given an opportunity to see behind the curtain. And I think it's so cool that, and I know I say this, I say this with, all due respect to the people that have actually been sick and are dealing with loss. And my, my, my perspective is not saying that this is cool in that sense. I'm saying that the sense of being able to unplug from that daily life, that sometimes a lot of that wasn't the best for all of us and being able to see behind this quote unquote curtain, you know, the wizard of Oz kind of thing, the man pulling all the levers and just see what life would be like without all of that stress and then see where the dust settles after this. Um, that's how I kind of look at it to kind of give it another perspective. No, and yeah, and yeah, I don't take it as you um, making light of the the devastation that you know some folks are, are going through today. You know, with loss yeah. of jobs, loss of life. Yeah, you know, I'm very uh, sympathetic, and and you know, my my heart you know bleeds for them. And um, but, but I can also see you know what you're saying because you know we just touched on this on the last episode of life after. COVID-19, if we looked, let's say two years from now, three years from now, are we going to learn from the lessons learned that we're in right now that, and what things are going to change? How does the industry change? And, um, you know, the education space, you know, cause everyone's on virtual, um, education right now, you know, do we need to have formal classrooms any longer? Do we need to have that footprint and infrastructure in place? Um, the lack of commuting because we can work from home more, so there's our foot, our infrastructure and footprint in the workplace of having all these buildings and classrooms and desks, et cetera. Do we continue to need 
any of that? Is that going to change? And one of the things that you said a couple uh, weeks ago to me on the phone was maybe after this, you know, we no longer have to go to a store like there's this brick and mortar location like the Walmarts and the Targets, et cetera. Right. These yeah. these huge retail spaces that we go into like lemmings. Right. <laughs> We go in there to fill our time and leave our money where, you know, hey, let me order this thing online. Go pick it up quickly so I can spend more time with my family, you know, get out of this rat race that we were in, in this need to spend and buy and go and, you know, get on the long commutes just to go in the office and wear the stuffy suits to see people, to be recognized so we can feel validated, et cetera. And I'm going on a rant, but um yeah. Well, that's my point. You know, was that really better than where we are today? Was it better? No. I can't answer that for you, but I can see pros and cons all over the place. So I'll tell you, a buddy of mine hit me up yesterday and he was like, hey, you know, how's this going for you? Because I know you always traveled, right? Yeah, I was always gone on the road. And I looked in into my little travel uh, thing. I had 18 trips last year. Wow. 18. Right. And typically they're about, you know, maybe three, four days a week. Right. Well, that's half the year that I'm gone um, away from my kids. And I will tell you, the few weeks that I've been on telework, I get to see my kids more. I get to have Mm -hmm. conversations with my wife more. I get to have lunch, you know, with them and and sit there and understand their problems. They get to see daddy, you know, Um, and I appreciate that. And and in the meetings that I thought and those business trips that we thought we had to go on all the time. Well, you and I, I mean, you live 30 minutes from me right now. We've been sitting here for an hour talking about this, right? Where, you know, in, in the past, we'd be sitting in the same room and that would yeah. have meant a commute. That would have meant more time here, another commute back with more risk on the road, et cetera. So, yeah, I'm the sorry. Only, the only negative that I've seen is I cannot go play golf. <laughs> that is a huge negative. I'm and so that is, it's t- tough. I'm tired of watching uh, golf on YouTube and wishing I was out there with them smelling the yeah, grass. All these, all these reruns from like the Masters five years ago. I'm like, ah. <laughs> uh, so I, I think we're a little bit so. digressing, but no. So yeah. I, I think, you know, in, in closing here, um, you know, and, and I think we could probably touch on this again. We'll bring somebody else on to talk about their perspective. But there's a, a, a there's a need for people with positions of authority, whether it's formal, informal. And more than ever, we need people practicing leadership. Um, we need them both and we need them now. Um, yeah. And, you know, I will tell people that, you know, even in this virtual environment, you can lead, you know, from where you're at. Um, you can lead at any time. If you see there's a need, fill a gap. Um, if there's competencies that, you know, as you become more self-aware and you do an assessment, and if you're lacking those competencies, find the tools, the people around you to help fill that gap. And understand the value of everyone around you to, to help fill that blind spot um, that you do have um, as leaders. Um, so, Steve, I would I'll- also add to that: um, if you see people around you that you want to encourage to step into their bigness, to take that initiative, to make that change happen, go be their first follower. You are the most important part of making any impactful change happen. Obviously, that lone nut getting out there and kind of waving the flag of we need to do this and this is the plan you as that first follower to have their back and to get after the tasks and functions and work to make the change happen. You're the part that's going to make it actually work and having those people's kind of support and pushing them up and giving them the ability to step into their leadership informally or formally 
is critical. So have the courage to give people feedback. If you see them not living up to the potential that you believe that they have, give them the what's in it for them and, and encourage them to do so. Yeah, that's a that's a great point too. And I and I think I'll just probably throw on top of that, Steve, is recognize those unlikely leaders that are out there that are doing good stuff, you know, um, you know, and they might not have the informal leadership, you know, might not be full, but they're doing activities, um, of leadership that, um, with or without formal informal leadership. And we have to recognize that and help champion that and, and, and build on that. Um, so when we come out of this, uh, maybe they're the next, next folks that are put in positions of formal, um, authority. Yep. All right. So you have any parting shots? That's it. I think this was a great episode. Can't wait to uh, potentially deep dive it with other people that we know, or if anybody out there that's listening, if you want to jump onto a podcast with us, you know, we would love to have you as well. If you have another perspective that we potentially missed today, we have our own blind spots as well. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. I would love you guys to tear this apart if you don't agree. And if you do agree, give us the feedback. Um, you can email us at Eric at leadership is tricky.com but it's e-r-i-c-k at leadership is tricky.com um so the episode will be posted on all of the major podcast outlets apple spotify uh, Castbox, stitcher etc um or posted on leadership is tricky.com so this is eric signing off and uh hey steve i'm glad that you're back man yeah i appreciate it. i'm glad you're uh, doing well with the family i'm glad your mother-in-law is doing a little bit better too so um Keep at it with you know your inner circle on your team, and um, let's we'll get through this. Absolutely. All right, brother. Yep.